0: Welcome to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message.
1: Where do you want to go? My six-year-old Tyler, he's just now starting to read and it's great. He'll pick a couple books and we'll sit down and read together before bedtime. And the book that he's really into right now is Dr. Seuss's Oh, the Places Will Go. Maybe some, some of you remember that book. Here's how the book, the first few pages, how it starts off. Congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places, you're off and away. You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you are the ones who will decide where to go. As I was reading that, I was struck by how well I think that captures what it means to be a human being, right? That's how many of us live our lives. We have brains in our head, feet in our shoes, can steer ourselves any direction we choose. It fits with all sorts of things that mean to be human and all sorts of passages in the Bible hit on this reality, particularly Proverbs 19.21. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, there's something about being human, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, where we just have this insatiable drive and desire to want to go places, to make an impact, to do great things, to make a difference, to never settle. So it's a question, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go geographically? Where do you want to go after you graduate? Where do you want to end up this summer? If you're living in the dorm, where do you want to go next year living with friends or an apartment somewhere? Where do you want to go academically? What field are you trying to break into? What internships are you hoping to get? What are you trying to get your GPA up to? Where do you want to go relationally? Do you want more friends? If you're not in a relationship, do you want to be in one? If you're in a relationship, is it time to take that next step and think about engagement and marriage? Is it time to be out of a relationship? Where do you want to go in your mental life? Do you want to be less anxious? Do you want to be less depressed? Do you want to deal with those things a little bit better? Are you hoping to think more positively about your circumstances, about your life, about your classes, about your family, whatever it is? Where do you want to go spiritually? How are you going to get there? Banksy. He's an anonymous artist, political activist, director from England, really talented guy, whoever he is. Normally, his pieces of artwork, they sell in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. But a few years ago, he wanted to do a little bit of an experiment, and so he set up some of his artwork in a little kind of off-to-the-side place in, in Central Park in New York City. But he priced his art at 60 bucks. Let's watch it, and you'll see the effect of what happened. Let's take a look. You get it, right? Most people, they, they totally missed it. They didn't recognize that treasure that was right before their eyes. They were too busy. They were too distracted. They didn't have time to take a closer look and they just walked right on by. And even the people, though, they did stop They missed it too, right? Some guy's buying four just for his apartment. Some lady's negotiating 50% off to try to get some paintings for her kids. Nothing special in their eyes. Not even worth paying full price for. The verse we're about to read tonight, it's kind of like a Banksy. It's extremely valuable, but it's not easily recognizable. And the question before us tonight is, are we going to see it? Are we going to be like the people in the video? Are we going to walk on by? Do we have too much other stuff going on, too many more important things in our lives? Or are we going to be the people that do stop, but we see the verse and we think it's a $60 portrait? But for those of us with eyes to see, this verse we're about to read, there's a treasure that's waiting to be found. And here's the verse. It's in the New Testament book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now on an initial walkthrough, it's really easy to miss it. It's really easy to misinterpret that verse. I think sometimes Christians, we think the takeaway from that verse is just that Jesus is there to help us get us to the place we wanna go. Jesus is there to help us get us to the place we wanna go. He's there to help me achieve my goals, my dreams, my plans. Uh, We could even dress it up really nice and it sounds really good. You know, something like, look, I'm not strong enough to get to the place I wanna be at on my own, but Jesus is. You see, he's the one who strengthens me, and so I'm gonna reach out to him in faith and humility and weakness, and when I do that, Jesus is gonna honor my prayers, and he's gonna get me to that place that I wanna go. I can't get there, but Jesus can. He'll take me there, because it's gonna show without a doubt that he's the one with power, that he's the one who strengthens. He's the one who can overcome any and all obstacles in my path to get to that place that I wanna go. Just like if you ride it or you are on a car ride through a crazy ice storm and you make it through the ice storm, you're going to sing the praises of that car. Well, so too with Jesus in a lot of ways. And when he gets us to that place that we want to go, we're going to sing his praises because he got us there. That's a very understandable, a very natural read through. But I think it's a $60 interpretation. I think it's wrong. I think we're missing it. I think we need to take a little bit closer of a look. Now, let me be clear. Jesus does for sure have the power to get us to the place that he wants. And if and when we do arrive at a place that he wants, we should for sure give Jesus the glory and the power and the praise. We should attribute those successes, whatever they may be, to him. But but, but what I hope you see is that if we're not careful If we don't have eyes to see, if we walk on by, or if we just kind of take a surface level look at that verse, we're gonna start getting more focused on that place and less on the person. We're gonna start being more focused on the place and less on the person. If we're not careful, our love and our devotion and our praise of Jesus can become contingent upon him getting us to the place where we wanna go. If we're not careful, I think Jesus can become sort of like an Uber driver, yeah? What's the relationship you had with your last Uber driver? You know, you looked him up, said, hey, hi, Joe, Sally, whatever their name was, right? Evaluated the smell of their car, maybe it smelled a little weird, that's fine. But, but they took you to a certain place, and you put their trust in them to get you to that place, and when you got there safe and sound, you said, thanks. You paid him, maybe even gave him a nice little tip if their car smelled better, what I do. And then you moved on with your day. That's what you do. The place was more important than the person. Is Jesus your Uber driver? Is he only your means to get you to the place that you wanna go, wherever that may be? Do you only reach out to Jesus when you've got some place to be? What happens though when you and I, when we don't end up in that place that we want to go, when we can't get there? Do you think there's a scenario out there in which Jesus wouldn't get us to the place that we want to be? Is it possible that Jesus would intentionally leave us in a place we don't want to be? What if he wants us to be of average intelligence? What if he doesn't want us to be the funniest person in the room, the most respected person in the room, the prettiest person in the room, the most athletic person in the room? What if nobody takes you seriously as a Christian in your dorm or in your fraternity or in your sorority or in your family or in your job? What if Jesus wants it to be that way for a little bit? What if Jesus doesn't heal that sickness? What if that depression and anxiety, it doesn't get better, it actually is getting worse? The medicine isn't working the way it's supposed to. What then? You see, it's one thing to love and to serve and to follow Jesus when we're getting to the places we wanna be, but to love and to serve and to follow Jesus when we feel like we're stuck, when we're not getting to the places that we wanna be, that's something altogether different, isn't it? How do we, here's the question, how do we love Jesus and follow Jesus and serve Jesus and believe that he's more when we're stuck in a place that we don't wanna be at, when we know and feel like we need to be somewhere else, then what? Remember, remember Philippians four thirteen. it's a Banksy. There's a treasure here that's gonna answer that question and we can't move on too quickly. We gotta take a closer look. And what we have to do is we back, have to back up a little bit to verse 10. So Philippians 4, back in verse 10. I rejoiced, as Paul speaking, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Okay, a little context here. Paul is writing to a church in the ancient city of Philippi. And this church had partnered with Paul and supported him in his ministry efforts for a really long time. They were a model church in a lot of ways because they were concerned for Paul. But we learn from this verse, they're concerned for Paul, but they have no opportunity to express that concern. You see, this is because Paul, at this point in time, he's out on the ministry trail, and he's kind of lost touch with this church, and the church has lost touch with him. They don't know where he is. They're not sure how he's doing. That is, of course, until Paul wrote this letter to them. We continue on in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. What? Did you, did you just hear that? Paul just said something profound. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Okay, a couple, couple things to get from there. The word content, that has the sense of being self-sufficient, of being pleased, of being satisfied, of not needing anything else, being okay in the place that he found himself but, but notice, Paul didn't just wake up one morning and go, oh, you know what? What well, turns out I'm content. How about that? No, he had to learn how to be content. It didn't come naturally. He didn't stumble upon it randomly. He had to learn how to be content. He had a choice to make. It took time. It took effort. It took practice. And over time, slowly but surely, he learned how to be content. Last one. Notice where and when Paul was content. What the circumstances. Stop and think about that for a second. Imagine any circumstance possible that you could be in. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the place, Paul is content. He lists some specific places where he has learned how to be content. Verse 12. I'm going to read it and then we'll go back through it. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Let's start at the beginning. How to be brought low. This is most likely a reference to a time when Paul was humbled, when he was humiliated, when he wasn't given the respect he deserved, when he wasn't taken seriously, when he was made to feel like he didn't matter to the point of physical intimidation and violence, when he lost his status and his prestige. You ever been to that place? Are you in that place now? Have you ever asked Jesus to take you out of that place? I know I have. Here's another place he was in. Paul says, I know how to abound, and I know how to face plenty. Paul probably is speaking about a place where he's in abundance, where he's rich. Definitely a reference to material abundance and richness, right? He speaks of this later on in the verse when he says he knows how to face abundance. See, Paul's been in places where he had plenty of material things, He's in a comfortable living situation. He's got plenty of food on the table. No need to worry about where he's going to be sleeping tomorrow or where the next meal is going to be coming from. He's living the good life in the ancient world anyway, materially speaking. But it's not just material abundance and plenty, right? It can be broadened. Paul's been in places where he's rich spiritually, where he feels on fire for God, where he's motivated and driven and passionate about loving God, about serving him. And maybe you're there now. I find this really interesting. Paul, that phrase, he says, he's facing this place of abundance and plenty as if that's somehow some sort of threat. You ever think about that? Why? Why would abundance and plenty, why would that be a threat? Well, remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, how important it is that we feel our need for Jesus, that we never move on from our need for Jesus. I think that if we're in a place of abundance, if we're in a place of plenty, our sense of neediness, it drops. It's dulled. We don't feel it as much. I think this is why Paul says he has to face these circumstances as if they're a threat because it could lessen, it could dull his need for Jesus. Paul also says that he was facing hunger and need He found himself in places where he didn't have many material things at all. No running water, nothing for cleaning, nothing for showering, not a lot of food on the table. Probably didn't have a stable place to sleep. Maybe he was in situations where he's not sure where he's going to be sleeping tomorrow night. Definitely didn't have Starbucks. Davis Patrick just died a little bit inside. He's uncomfortable now. So being brought low, abounding and in plenty, Facing hunger and need, no matter the place, Paul learned how to be content. How? Well, there we get to our Banksy. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, when we slow down a little bit and we take a closer look, we see that doing all things, that doesn't mean getting to the places we want. That doesn't mean we use this as a sort of triumphalistic, that's a hard word to say, triumphalistic verse to say we're going to do it. No, being, it means being content in the places that Jesus has for us. Do you hear how radical that is? I mean, just stop and think about that for a second. Any place you find yourself, no matter how difficult or how amazing uh, it might be, ultimately being content in that place, no matter what, can you imagine that? If you're not a Christian, that might seem too good to be true if you are a christian that might seem too good to be true right Does to me remember that that question that we asked earlier how do we love jesus and follow jesus and serve jesus and believe jesus is more when we're stuck in a place we'd rather not be well we look to jesus and ask him to be help us to be content in him not in the place we ask jesus to focus our hearts and our minds on him not the place. Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 33. At this point in the story, Moses is in the wilderness. They're headed to the promised land. He's leading the Israelites to the promised land. They've got the mission. They've got the place. But he says this in verse 15. Check this out. Moses speaking to God. If your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. Moses is saying, God, God, Look, God, I know you've got a place for us. We're going to the promised land. It's important. You've promised that, yes, we're going there, but here's the deal. If you're not with me in this place, if you're not with us in this place, forget the place. I don't wanna go to the place. I want you. I want your presence. God, I want you more than I want that place. Okay, but, but, but Austin, are you, are you telling me, are you saying that I shouldn't ask Jesus to get me out of the place? Is it wrong to ask to get out of the place? Am I being unfaithful? Are we being unfaithful as Christians? Should we just be content where we are no matter what? Don't ask? No, no. Two examples, one is Paul. Paul had what he called a thorn in his flesh. We're not exactly sure what that is, but we just know it was painful and then he wanted no part of it. Second Corinthians 12, last part of verse seven and eight. Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So Paul is pleading with the Lord to take this thorn away from me. He's pleading with God, get me out of this place. I don't wanna be here. The second one is Jesus himself. On the night, before that he was, the night before he died, when he was arrested and ultimately crucified, he's praying to God in the garden. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 22. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Take this cup from me. The cup is a reference to the wrath that he would experience from God to atone for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. Did you hear what he asked? He said, take me out of this place. I don't wanna be in this place. And yet what did he do? He said, not my will, but your will be done. By all means, ask Jesus for the places that you wanna go, the places that you feel like you need to go. Ask for that, that's fine, but here's the deal. We ask with an open hand, and we end the ask like Jesus did. Not my will, but your will be done. We ask with a heart that is content in the place that Jesus has for us today. Here's what I do, wanna do for the rest of the time. I just wanna talk about some ways that we can learn how to be content in the place God has us. Remember, nobody wakes up and goes, huh, you know, content, how about that? No, it's learned, it's a process, it's hard, it's difficult, but it's possible. So what are just some ways that we can learn to be content? Here's the first one, and I, to my shame, this is what I thought of the last. How about we ask for it? How about we actually ask God to help us to be content in the person of Jesus? When's the last time you asked for that? I don't know, and that's to my shame. It's so simple. Ask Jesus that we'd be content in him. Here's the next one. Let's focus more on Jesus and less on the place. Rocket science. Focus more on Jesus and less on the place. Notice I didn't say stop focusing on the place. Right, we've gotta focus on places. God has places for you and me to go. We need to focus on them. But what would happen if we focused less on that place and more on Jesus? You see, to be content in God, to be content in Jesus and in the place he has for us, that doesn't necessarily mean that we like the place we're in. We shouldn't like sickness. We shouldn't like hardship. We should not be okay with difficult places. We should actually fight and pray to help others out of difficult places, particularly unjust places. But on the flip side, we also shouldn't be content necessarily with the good places we find ourselves, the abundance and the plenty, right? Why? Well, because those places, that place is not a person. Circumstances, cities, jobs, states of mind, adventures, they're good, but they're not a person. You and I, we're meant to be in a relationship with a person the person of Jesus. And our lives are gonna flourish and be most satisfying where we are relating to the person for who he is, not just for the places that he can get us. So focus on Jesus and the place. Study passages about him in the Bible. Listen to music with Christ-centered lyrics that, that, that help you understand who he is. Talk about Jesus with a small group, with a leader. That's why small groups are so important. That's what they're built upon, studying the Bible. You see, when we focus on Jesus instead of the place where we are or where we want to be, then we're going to find that he will begin to fulfill to fill our vision. More and more, he's going to move from the background to the foreground. And those places, as important as they are, they're going to move from the foreground to the background. And if and when that happens, we're going to grow in our contentment. Final thing. Remember that learning contentment in Jesus is a marathon and not a sprint. Let's watch this video. Trying to survive something like that for two hours would be, would
0: be almost impossible. It's, it's unreal that somebody did that.
1: I love the, the woman on there clapping as though she lasted like five seconds. She had something to celebrate, and then she probably fell. I probably wouldn't do, do any better. That, that marathon pace, that's incredible, right? Here's the deal though. If you and I if we leave here, if we leave this room expecting that complete contentment in Jesus is going to be attained tomorrow or next week or next month or after winter break, we're just like those people trying to keep pace with that world record marathon pace. We're going to sprint after it for a little bit. But eventually we're going to fall off the treadmill. It's not going to last. Why? Well, because contentment and fighting to be content it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Learning to be content in Jesus instead of the place. It takes time. It's a two steps forward, one step back. Now, is it possible to be content in the places where we find ourselves? Absolutely. Should we really try for that? Absolutely. But if all we think about is a sprint, then we're not gonna make it. And here's the deal about places. More places are coming. I'm not saying anything any of you don't already know. More places are coming. Freshmen, hope it's been a good first semester. Guess what, second semester's coming. And after second semester, guess what, sophomore year's coming. Start talking to sophomores now, figure out. Seniors, guess what, graduation's coming. Sorry if I keep telling you, you hear it all the time. If you're living in a dorm, guess what, life in an apartment or a house with roommates and dishes, they're coming. If you're single, a relationship might be coming. If you're dating somebody, engagement, marriage might be coming. God has more places for us, and guess what? He knows that when we arrive in a new place for the very first time, we're probably not gonna be as content in him as we thought we would. We're probably not gonna be as content in him as we thought we would, and guess what? That's okay, that's okay. In a lot of ways, that's the point. God is showing us that in any and every place, he's more, he's more. One of, the, one of my favorite verses, I'm, I I'd learn more about this verse all the time, John 6:35. this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever <clears throat> Whoa, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It just gets me every time, chokes me up. <clears throat> whoever, look at, the, look at the tense of that. Whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me. It doesn't say whoever came to me, whoever believed in me. Oh, it's in the present tense. What does that mean? Well, it means the assumption here is that we keep coming in any and every place, not just tomorrow, not just during finals week, not just after winter break, not just until we graduate. And if and when we do that, we're gonna be content in Jesus, never hungry, never thirsty. It's a marathon. And so we come again and again and again and again and again. If we ask for contentment, In Jesus, If we focus on Jesus and not the place, if we remember that learning contentment is a marathon instead of a sprint, then we might become more and more like Vincent. Vincent, he's 18, should be behind me here. He lives in Kenya in what's known as the Marathi Slum. Picture behind me, it looks like a really, really tough place to live. A few years ago, an author and blogger named Kristen Welch, she's traveled to this slum And she got a chance to meet Vincent. She found out that Vincent was orphaned at age eight. And for the last 10 years, he'd been caring for his family. And this is what she wrote about her encounter with Vincent in that Kenyan slum. I'll never forget standing in Vincent's home, which is the size of my master closet. Water dripped on my head in the dark room as he lit a candle and explained how he walked an hour to school each way and cared for his little brother because both his parents were dead. As he told us about his life, he smiled from ear to ear with joy. How can you be so happy? I asked as I looked around at all that he didn't have. I have Jesus. He's enough. Have you learned what Vincent's learned? Do you want to learn what Vincent's learned? That Jesus is enough. That Jesus is better than a place that Jesus will help us persevere and be faithful in our place that he has. Philippians 4.13, it's a Banksy. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus is gonna help get us to the place we want. There might be different places for us, but it does mean that he's gonna give us the strength to be content in him, in the place that he has for us right now. So go back to that first question I asked. Where do you want to go? I pray for myself. I pray for all of us here. I pray anybody listening anywhere that our answer more and more wouldn't be a place, but it would be a person. Where do you want to go? I want to be with Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.